Um, This morning's reading is taken from John chapter 3, verses 1 to 21. Now there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a member of the Jewish ruling council. He came to Jesus at night and said, Rabbi, we know you are a teacher who has come from God, for no one could perform the miraculous signs you are doing if God were not with him. In reply, Jesus declared, I tell you the truth, no one can see the kingdom of God unless he is born again. How can a man be born when he is old? Nicodemus asked. Surely he cannot enter a second time into his mother's womb to be born. Jesus answered, I tell you the truth, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless he is born of water and the spirit. Flesh gives birth to flesh, but the spirit gives birth to spirit. You should not be surprised at my saying. You must be born again. The wind blows wherever it pleases. You hear its sound, but you cannot tell where it comes from or where it is going. So it is with everyone born of the Spirit. How can this be? Nicodemus asked. You are Israel's teacher, said Jesus. And do you not understand these things? I tell you the truth. We speak of what we know and we testify to what we have seen. But still you people do not accept our testimony. I have spoken to you of earthly things and you do not believe. How then will you believe if I speak of heavenly things? No one has ever gone into heaven except the one who came from heaven, the Son of Man. Just as Moses lifted up the snake in the desert, so the Son of Man must be lifted up, that everyone who believes in him may have eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe stands condemned already because he has not believed in the name of God's one and only son. This is the verdict. Light has come into the world, but men love darkness instead of light because their deeds were evil. Everyone who does evil hates the light, and will not come into the light for fear that his deeds will be exposed. But whoever lives by the truth comes into the light, so that it may be seen plainly that what he has done has been done through God. Thank you, John. <clears throat> this, uh, this nighttime dialogue between Nicodemus and Jesus is probably one of the most uh, well-known uh, passages in the Bible. I'm sure most of you here are familiar with it, at least in general terms, if not in details. And verse 16 really is one of those key verses that people, when they hear it, it just sort of rings something in them. And so we're going to look at this passage this morning as part of our Amen series. Passages in John's Gospel where Jesus uses this Amen, Amen statement, or he says, I tell you the truth, or verily, verily, something like that, depending on the translation. So the point here is that what Jesus has to say to Nicodemus is really important. Not just true, but very true. This is really where we're at with this passage. What Jesus wants to get over to him is something that is 
life-changingly important, not just for Nicodemus, but for all of us. We're going to focus on verse 16, because there is so much to say about it, so much that we can understand from God. We're going to think about God, love, the world, the Son of God, faith, perishing forever, living forever, and whoever. These words that are really central in this passage. They're really important things for us as Christians to know, and indeed for all people to know. What could be more important than for us to know where we stand in relationship with God? And these verses really lay that out for us. So this morning we're going to consider these big words. God, world, gave, son, believe, perish, life and love. For God so loved. They're really important words. So let's begin with God. For God so loved. Jesus speaks to Nicodemus here about the God of the Old Testament, the God that Nicodemus understood, the all-powerful creator and sustainer God, the God of the universe. He speaks of a God, though, who is personal. Not just a force, not some sort of spirit out there, a personal, real God. And that means that this is a God who thinks and wills and feels things. He loves and he hates. And because he's personal, he deals with us, each one of us, in terms of things that are right and things that are wrong, good and bad. And we know that he is unwaveringly, unwaveringly righteous. He only does what is right. And the infinite worth for us of that truth is that he defines what is right for us. And so to do right is for us to think and to feel and to act in a way that is in harmony with God. Not anybody else, not what the world tells us, but in harmony with God. (coughs) The food's coming later. To do right is to think and act and feel in a way that puts us in harmony with God. All of us were made by this God and our first and our highest and most important duty and reason is to honour him, to give him praise, to give him thanks. And the truth is, we've all failed at that at times. And we're under his righteous judgment and displeasure because of that. It's not because he's an angry God, it's because it's right for him to be disappointed and displeased. And that's what makes this passage, John 3.16, so necessary for us. What is said here is so important, it's precious, because it describes what God is doing, how God is acting to rescue us from this condition, this situation we find ourselves in. It is all about our salvation. The world. For God so loved the world, we're told. And the world that John writes about here is the whole of humanity. It's the whole of humanity which has fallen into sin. And it's all of humanity in all time 
that needs salvation. The world is all of people. It's this great global nation across all time, not defined by race or language or skin color, but simply as those that have been separated from God because of their state of fallenness, because of their sin. That's all of us. Wherever we are in the world, it's all of us. Gave. For God so loved the world that he gave. Two things need to be said about this giving of God's. One is that it is a giving from God. Simple. And the other is that it's not just a giving. It's not just about God giving and coming to earth. It's about God giving and dying. Verse 17 replaces the word give with send. It says, For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. This giving, in verse 16, is God sending his Son into the world on a mission from heaven. Later in John's Gospel, in chapter 10, we can read about the climax of that mission that the Father has sent Jesus on. Jesus says, The reason my Father loves me is that I lay down my life only to take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have the authority to lay it down and the authority to take it up again. This command I received from my Father. Do you know that last sentence? shows that the reason the Father sent the Son was so that the Son would lay down his life for us. I lay it down of my own accord, this command I received from my Father. So when in John 3.16 it says, For God so loved the world that he gave, this giving is God sending his Son to earth on a mission to die. And whatever else you know about God, make sure you know this, that this is how far he is prepared to go for you. That he would send his son to die for you. The son. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son. Right at the beginning of chapter 1 in John's Gospel, it says, In the beginning was the word... And the Word was with God, and the Word was God. In that amazing introduction to his telling of the story of Jesus, we're told three things about Jesus. We're told that he is God. It said the Word was God. Jesus is God. We're also told that he is with God, and therefore he's distinctly separate from God. The Word was with God. And third, we're told, he was always there, always in existence. He's never come to be, never a second thought. In the beginning was the Word. And then if we look at verse 14, further down, it says, The Word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only Son who came from the Father, full of grace, and truth. 
Jesus is the Son of God. He is fully God. And the Father is fully God. And along with God the Spirit, they are one God, one divine nature, one essence, three persons, in an internal, perfect, joyful relationship. Believe. For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son that whoever believes. See, the truth is not everyone will benefit from what Jesus came to do. Whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. The scripture here is quite simple. The rest will perish and not have eternal life. The word believe means to embrace something as true, and when that something is a person, it means that we trust them to be what they are and do what they say. Back in John chapter 1, it says, Yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. When We could say that when we receive Jesus, when we believe Jesus, those things explain each other, to receive him and to believe him. But what is it that we're receiving him as? Well, we receive him as exactly who he is. For example, in John chapter 6, Jesus says, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry. Whoever believes in me will never go thirsty. So in this instance, believing in Jesus means coming to Jesus and receiving him as food and drink that nourishes us. And if you really want to know who it is you believe in, then I would recommend that you look at the I am statements where Jesus tells us very specifically why we can put our hope in him and why we put our trust in him and for what. Perish. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish. See, what's really clear and most important is to see that perish is the alternative to eternal life. Not perish, but have eternal life. So if you perish, you don't get eternal life. Quite straightforward, really. So what about life? For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. This does not simply mean that you exist forever. I believe everybody exists forever, but not everybody has eternal life. What happens in our believing is this. By the means of believing, the Holy Spirit is uniting us to Jesus in whom we find that life. And in that instance, we're told that we're born again. We believe we are united with the Son of God and we have his life in us. And because it's the life of the Son of God, it lasts forever. In John chapter 11, it says, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live, even though they die. And whoever lives by believing in me will never die. Do you believe this? 
Do you believe this? Jesus asked that in that statement, but that's a question each of us needs to answer. Do I believe this? Do I believe in the forgiveness and the life and the freedom of this passage, John 3.16? Does the wonder of being loved like this actually shape who I am and how I behave? Do I live like I believe this? Is this really what my life is all about? Love. God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. God loves the world. That is, that is he loves the great totality of the fallen, sinful human beings of our world. All of us. All of them. In fact, there isn't a them and an us, it's all of us. And this love is of such a kind and such an intensity and such a, a magnitude that it moved God to give his son. To give his son to die for the whole world. And one clear purpose and effect of that love and that giving of the son is that whoever believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. That means that this love of God opens a door so that anyone who believes in the Son can enter in into this eternal relationship with God. And so it's, it's true that we can say of God's love that it is indiscriminate. It's for everybody. We can speak about it. We can promise about it. It can be applied to everyone without exception. And we might be uncomfortable with that because it might be that there are some people we think shouldn't get that kind of love. But God's love is indiscriminate. It's for everyone. Because what this love says is this, if you will believe in my son, I will give you eternal life. I can do this because my son has cancelled the debts of all those that believe. So if you believe, then your sins are cancelled. And my love for you is this. I gave my son so that trusting him is the only condition that you have need of for living with me forever. And so to every human being that ever has been and ever will be, God says, I love you. And that means that we can say to every human being that we meet, God loves you. And this is how he loves you. He gave his son to die so that if you believe, then your sins can be forgiven and you can have eternal life. That is what the love of God means and promises and does in this passage. It speaks of a free offer of the good news. There are no limits to this offer. It goes out to all the people of every ethnic group, of every age, of every socio-economic category. It goes out to the best of all, to the worst of all, 
to every degree of sinner, from the bad to the worst. Because God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. Now that seems to me to be something worth saying amen about. Not just once, but twice. 